chills on my butt. You're listening to Paranorthwest, a podcast about all things paranormal here in the Pacific Northwest and beyond. I am your host, Eric. I'm Shayla. And I'm Cheyenne. Tonight, we're talking about the wildlings, okay? The wild men, hairy dudes. Are they cannibals? Do they take for pleasure? We're talking about feral people, all right? It's a, we did a poll on Instagram and everyone said that they wanted to hear more about feral people so that's what tonight's episode is about you wanted it you got it Cheyenne tell us uh your phone I don't have mine go on (laughs) (laughs) what uh you're the researcher here and lead investigator absolutely already know that so tell us uh what do you what do you think before we get into some facts and whatnot? Tell us what you think about feral people. What do you think they are? How did they become? Tell just just unload on us. Well, I have a few ideas where they come from. So either maybe they were dropped there by their parents at a young age, or maybe there's families that decided to just go live in the woods and, you know, get back to like their true you know um, animalistic self animalistic roots i guess giddy up shayla what is uh, what makes someone feral okay give us that some people listening to the podcast might not know what feral people are so feral people the exact definition right is like a wild state um just like you would think of like a feral cat you know so yeah it's just people um and they are not domesticated yeah right so they're not they have not been um integrated like into society like the civilization has left them right they're not so much about like oh what how should i act as a human they're just like i'm gonna do what i want yeah they're wild so much so they don't have their own language they don't they do have their own language or that's what I meant. They have their own language. They don't speak English. Yeah. Um, yeah. They just they wear like you know, as white people would call them loincloths. Yeah. Um and <laughs> Tarzan. Yeah. yeah. Which um, actually Tarzan and Jungle Book itself was based on a feral person. That someone found. Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. There's pictures. You can look them up. Look them up, people. Okay? Yeah, and... <clears throat> you know, I'm just going to put this out here. I don't know if I'm going to butcher this name, but his name was Dina Sanichar. Yeah. Yeah. Did you already know this or something? You're acting like you know this. No. <laughs> oh. You believe me, though, huh? I mean, yeah. <laughs> so he was um, supposedly raised by wolves. And where is this at? It was in the city of Agra, Sanichar. <laughs> yeah, good old Agra. We've all we have listeners from there. Yeah. I know. Shout we out do. to the Samicharians. 
so this is like a reoccurring theme um, as in like the missing 411 case of that young boy who was missing for weeks on end um, and then they ended up finding him in you know a different location that was miles away from where he went missing and they found him and he had told the adults and the police that he had been in a nice warm cave and this bear was taking care of him yeah, and that girl was taken too, that little girl. And when yeah. they found her, she said she survived off berries that the bear had yes. given to her. Yeah, that's another. There's so many. It's so crazy. So, for all you little assholes that um, hate bears, yeah, I'm a bear and I'm coming for you. Oh, she's coming for you. That's. That's. You're getting bear cum on you. Only now. for one person. <laughs> and um, we know who he is. <laughs> Big Solly Brooks. <laughs> Him? Yeah. He's going to whoop for everyone now. Each of. <laughs> He's in the stew. Uh, hang- <laughs> you know the DL. He's in, he's in here with us. <laughs> um, so basically, feral people is like de-evolution, right? Kind of. You know what I mean? Like, we've evolved as a society into what we are now. They're yes. kind of being like, fuck that. I don't want to brush my teeth. Well, I mean, it's not even just brushing, not brushing their teeth. They don't I wanna, feel like that's a strong portion of it. They don't even want to sleep in a bed. Um, yeah. They think they're normally more animals than an actual person. Um, they sleep where they shit and they eat their shit. That's, you, you found research on that? Actually, I did. Um, I'll disclose those sources uh, during the giveaway. But Ooh. Um, you gotta you gotta tune into the live on yeah, uh, October thirtieth to hear the sources of yeah. feral people eating their shit and sleeping where they shit. Okay. But they do have animalistic characters because, right? That's how they learn. They live off the land, so they you would think they would have animal-like qualities to them. Well, and not being around humans has to do it, too. I mean, right. the less you are around humans, the less human you'll become. The more you're around animals, the more animalistic you'll become. Yeah, so no social skills or, you know, anything like that. <laughs> I know a couple of people here that don't have any social skills. Tight. <laughs> okay. So, we're feral. <laughs> um, Hashtag feral, okay. No, but you hear these things, right? Like these people going missing in these national parks and all over the world. Are the feral people taking people? What are they using them for? My thoughts? Yeah. I think the feral people are snatching them up to breed with them. Okay, he's going with breeding, Cheyenne. Uh, they want to expand their colonies. Um, I think it's more to eat. I think it's more to feast and then thugs. Feast and thugs. Yeah, the two Fs. Very important. Yeah, feast and thugs. Uh, for us, it's consensual. For them, it's unfortunately not. Yeah, so you think, you think they're mostly eating people? Yeah, I think they're mostly eating people. Men and women? Men and women alike. 
Damn. I think they eat the men and fugs the women. Shayla, what do you think about that? Well, here's my thing. Then how would you explain these kids being let go? Like, why were they let go? Because they're not going to eat them. They're not going to fugs them. They're kids. That's gross. Yeah, but some of them go missing and they're never found. So. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. How do they pick and choose what what kids they're keeping and then getting rid of? They might be looking at people like livestock, too, though. Like who's going to breed well? Who's going to be strong? You know, like what what can you bring to us? So if a kid's, you know, meek and doesn't think they're going to bring much to him and, and they don't have much meat on their bones, they're not going to eat them, you know? Yeah. Solomon, what do you think? Um, I think if the Pharaoh people were going to like eat people, they would just like eat everyone because they're like in an animalistic state where they're just trying to eat. They're not worried about where the food's coming from. Like they're just eating people. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Eric had a theory that they're maybe killing the men more so and then breeding with the women. That's what I think. That's yeah. what makes sense to me. I could see that. I could, I mean, I think there could be some sort of cannibalism going on because you hear about them being like inbreds and s- stuff too. Yeah. Which no, uh, I mean, if you are inbred and you're listening to the podcast, come on the show. Okay. I mean, the hills have eyes. We're, we're trying to talk to, talk to some inbreds here. And according to our crazy neighbor, he actually told me today that the hills have eyes was based on a true story. I do not know if that is true or not, but he could be one of them. I, I don't know. Yeah, he would fit in in that movie perfectly. Uh, we'll put up a picture of him on the Instagram and you guys decide uh, if our neighbor <laughs> is a hills have eyes extra. You know, even... Maybe if you guys are lucky, we can bring him on. Oh my the God! Show. Yes, we should totally. Oh have. my God! He is a uh, person of interest in an ongoing murder investigation. Um, yeah, and I do have evidence of him saying that. Yeah, no, he said it. Pl- he's not even afraid of saying it. <laughs> he has the missing poster and everything. It's kind of weird. Yeah, it is weird. I feel like he has a lock of her hair too. <laughs> like, oh my God, my pretty. Oh, and that thing that he's a doesn't he do that thing? Yeah, when he's mad, he'll yeah. like this stupid bitch deserved it. <laughs> That's what he said when we asked him about it. He said that. So maybe we'll have him on. Probably not. Oh my god! All right, let's not terrify these people too much. All right, so feral people. Um, Shy, I know you looked into some some history and some research about like the the first sightings of them and the first documentation and whatnot. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, so what I've gathered, there's about 100 cases in history. And um, then there's other sites, which, you know, is saying there's like absolutely no cases of this you know what i mean more official site more government site so my personal take on this is that officials are covering up that are there really are like feral people and they want to keep that shut down because they want tourism especially when it comes to the national parks yeah because what you'd be pretty dissuaded if they're like hey uh come to the olympics also, there are hill people living there, and they they might kill and or capture you. Yeah. It's not really like a hotbed of tourism there. Not inviting. No. 
And that's what was weird because when we left the Olympics where we were camping, when I talked to that ranger, that's how this whole thing started about us like thinking about feral people because she was like, yeah, there's families in those hills and they've been in there for generations. And I was like, you put up a fucking sign or something being like, hey, inbreds nearby, you know, hide your wives. Well, and so that's my thing. Like, do you think that they're handing them over like these rangers and all of these parks that are keeping all of this such a secret and all these cases and they aren't keeping anything recorded? Do you think they're like purposefully handing over these people? No, I I think it's just like if you get got, you get got and we're not really going to do anything about it. It's almost like an unspoken rule between the two of them because they have to go up in those hills too to do certain work and whatnot. So I think they have like a thing like, hey, I didn't see you. You know, you didn't see me. It would be interesting too to see then what the statistics are on rangers and people that work in these parks. Do they go missing? That's what I'm saying. I don't think they do. I think they have like an unspoken rule between the two, between the wild men and the rangers. I agree with that because also like thinking now I'm like, where are these people going when it comes to like wildfires? Yeah. You know what I mean? There has to be some sort of like, I don't know, unspoken rule. You know what I mean? They're, yeah, they, they have to have some sort of. Because the rangers need to have like free safety in the park. You know what I mean? Right. Like they can't be going in there trying to do their work and being terrified of being snatched. So they must have some sort of like, hey, if you take someone, we won't investigate it. We won't bring light to it. Like no one's going to know. But don't fucking take us. Well, yeah, because if you think about it, these feral people are not completely stupid, right? Like they're stealthy. Yeah, they've lived this long. Yeah, and they learn from the animals. So they know what they're doing. Like, you know what I mean? They... Do you think there's anything paranormal to this? I mean, that's a good question. I think they all they live within the paranormal, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? With like Bigfoot and everything else out there, like they have to know of these things. And to them, it's probably not paranormal, though. You know what I mean? Like no one's taught them that this is weird. And it's been so many generations that they see Bigfoot and they see aliens or whatever. And to them, it's just a normal occurrence. So for them, the unusual is the usual. Yeah, exactly. It's like uh, it's like the indigenous peoples, you know, talking about Bigfoot forever. It wasn't it was like, oh, here's a fox and there's a Bigfoot. It's the, no different. It's just a thing that's there. You know mm, what I mean? Maybe they even like look up to Bigfoot for you know, how long he's been around, the way he hunts, uh, his daily habits. You know what I mean? That's maybe someone like they look, look up to, yeah. you know, or seek guidance from. Yeah, we don't know. And for me, like, technically, being a feral person, that's pretty not normal. Do you guys agree with that? Oh, yeah. Well, so especially where we're at now. That's very paranormal to me. Yeah. I like, think- that, the, the, like, actual literal... I think the only difference is paranormal has a connotation of like magical as well. You know what I mean? It's. (laughs) Yeah. So I think they live within it. Like it's, it's part of it. But like Cheyenne said that that would make them paranormal. Well, yeah. I mean, you hear about them, right? Like in the South and the Midwest and stuff like that. You don't really hear a lot about that though in the Northwest, which is odd, but 
some of our friends have these reports, like it's a known fact that these people are out in these woods over here. Yeah, uh, two of my friends uh, have told, and I'll just leave their names out of it, but they told us that when they were growing up, they had old logging roads on these uh, mountains by where they lived. And everyone in the community, you know, their families and all that, they would tell them don't drive the logging roads at night because basically something's going to snatch you up. <coughs> and so, you know, they were like, it wasn't a, it wasn't like a urban legend either. It was just like factual. Like you don't go on those roads at night because there's people that live in the hills. That's crazy. So Cheyenne, what does this date back to? Give us some info on how, where all this kind of started and all that good stuff. So, I mean, there's a case dating all the way back to 1725. What's that case? That's the Peter Wildboy case. And he was 11 years old when he was rescued in the German wilderness. And people just inferred that his parents dumped him there because they weren't, they couldn't take care of him. Like, they just couldn't afford to take care of him. Yeah, so they just dropped him off. Yeah, so... Um, he was unable to talk. He didn't have any clothes on. He refused to, you know, do like basically have our normal life. You know what I mean? Um, that does state though, that he was raised by wolves and bears. Yeah. See, there's something, but, and then this is a different thought that I had, right? Because children express things as they see it. As they experience it, right? Right. So were these wolves and bears, or were they men with wolf pelts and bear pelts on Ooh. living living in the in the wilderness? You know what I'm saying? Because to them, they would say, this was a bear. It looks to them. I mean, they're, they're young. They're not going to be like, oh, it's a guy with a, wearing a bear pelt. It, right. It, it, could, it could be people wearing... Costumes, or not costumes, but you know what I'm saying? Like, Pelts, yeah, because in that one case where, uh, the Jungle Book case, he thought he was a bear. Yeah. Or a wolf, you know? And where did he learn that from? The bears and the wolves, supposedly. Yeah, quote unquote. Now that's an eye turner. Solomon, how do you feel about that? Have you ever seen anything out there that has resembled these kinds of things or had these attributes? that you were a little felt a little off about or well like the most recent thing I've seen which is like this year like this September is I was out hiking in my moccasins doing hunting with my bow you know oh and I was in this thicket like thick woods and it was like started clearing up and I can hear something crashing through the woods and then I could see its face and it's like it's kind of like an elk face but it's smaller in size and it had really long spike horns and then I could see it quartering up at me and then once it ran it ran like a person so two legs so two legs it seemed like I, I, I didn't see four I saw two and I saw them run sideways down the hill and then gone see and that's the thing too like I know they keep saying bears and wolves but do you think a little kid would be like oh yeah that's an elk or that looks like this, you know? Because a lot of times, 
if you think about people mistaking Bigfoot when really it's a bear, you know, like those kinds of things. So just like Eric was saying, little kids, you know, they only know so, so much, right, for their their minds. And if you associate those things with that, you know what I mean? Like that's what you would report. I don't even know if that made any sense. It's like, I could see it. I, the only problem I can see is the feral person not wanting to take just take care of a child. Right. But then again, there could be like woman feral people that are all about taking care of the child. And then they're hunting with the male or something. And there's not a lot of talking. It's just kind of visual. Mm-hmm. And then we have those Sierra Nevada sounds that everyone talks about. And they think that that is the sound of a Bigfoot. But Eric and I have a different theory about that, too, which we'll get into a little bit later on. But Yeah, to go back into that real quick, though, with what he said, kind of sparked something in me. He said, you know, feral people wouldn't want to take care of a human baby. Yeah. But humans always, A, either look out for each other, or B, how many times do people find a baby deer on the side of the road and they're like, I'm going to take care of this because it needs to be taken care of. Yeah. I mean, not the same species. You have no idea how to take care of it, but it's a fact that you see another life that needs help. So you'll do whatever you can. And maybe it gets to a point where you're like, like what we, like what humans do. I can't take care of this on my own. I'm not doing well enough. I'm going to go find a way to get it to something, either take it to the park rangers or to an animal sanctuary or something. So the way that these kids might be coming back and they're taken care of, it might have gotten to a point where they were like, hey, we did all we could. We have to give it back now, basically. Well, yeah, and then on the flip side of that, too, you think it's just like any other society, right? Like you have shitty people and then you have really good people. You know, there's people that... But they also don't, uh, 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 like, they don't adhere to the same rules as our humanity. You know what I mean? Well, right. So let me finish the statement. So I cut her off. I'm sorry. No. So you hear, and I've heard these theories before, same with the big guy, okay? That they have these people that are, um, say, overly large, and they're like, say, the protectors of the family, and they'll send those ones out to do the hunting and the looking for things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So those could be the ones that are snatching these people. And then maybe somebody else is kind of more caring and is letting them go or get back or I don't know. It's just a theory. Yeah, there's a lot involved in this. And I honestly didn't think there was going to be this much conversation and this many offshoots. But I'm glad it's going this way that we're kind of trying to figure out like all of the things involved with feral people. Right. But yeah, I think I think it's a good chance that these are these accounts with bears and wolves and all that stuff is actually just humans. I don't know if anyone's seen the 13th Warrior or if anyone uh-uh. that's listening have um but in 10 seconds or less I'm going to try and do it real quick. Guy hurt goes people find he don't speak same language learn language um you're done and (laughs) so what he's like a persian warrior right and they go to war with what they think is like a like bears they think that they are uh monsters but it's really just men that put on 
the pelts and where the heads of bears and use their claws. So once he gets into actual battle with them, he kills one and he notices it's just a man. So he's like, they had built up so much lore and fear about this thing, Mm -hmm. not knowing what it actually was. And it had worked to their advantage because that's what they were trying to do. They're trying to scare him and be like, oh, we're we're more than life. You know, we're, yeah. we're, we're more than human. So it's kind of interesting. Like, uh, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think that that could be a possibility? That could be a possibility. I'm not going to rule that one out because that's a good, a good theory. And obviously, you know. Because the sounds we heard to- that night were not fucking human or animal. So it could be a human trying to sound animalistic or just that does sound animalistic. Yeah, that's mind boggling, you know? Yeah. The baby's been burped. Okay. Well, I think this is as good a time as any to do our shout outs for the week. Yeah. Shout them out, Shayla. Shout out section. So our shout out of the week is... Tales from the Grid Square. Ooh, super spooky, super rad dude. Um, he has, it, well, it's an Instagram page, right? Yes, it is. About paranormal things, but the twist is, they all have to do with military. Yeah, which is interesting. So they have like the giants of Afghanistan there. They have ghosts on posts, you know, which I didn't think that was gonna rhyme just like that, but it did. But like, wheels on wheels. Yeah. When I was in Okinawa, there was like a, they said that at this one gate at a certain time, a guy would ask you for a light for his cigarette. And when you'd bend down to, or look in your pocket to go get a lighter and you look up, he'd be gone. And he was dressed in <gasps> old timey military clothes. So yeah, this, this, uh, Instagram page is all about like creepy stories, whether it be like cryptids or ghosts having to do with the military and like deployments or posts or whatever. Yeah, and they have great content over there. We're actually going to um, feature them in an upcoming podcast. So they're going to be on here at some point in time. So check them out on Instagram at Tales, T-A-L-E-S underscore from underscore the underscore grid square. Yeah, check them out. Let them know we sent you. Uh, we're stoked to have them on, like Shay said. Uh, yeah, just spreading that spooky. And our listener of the week is Joseph Durnitz. Hey, Joe. That's Joe. Oh, I don't know if you go by Joe, but (laughs) you are today. That's Joseph. Um, Thank you for being a supporter of Paranorthwest and always liking our stories and everything that we post. We appreciate it very much. You're a real one. Yes. We love you. Thank you for listening. We love you, sweetheart. Baby boy. All right, back to it. Okay, so we're back. And we're Yes, we are. Work, okay? Uh, no, I'm going to share <laughs> I'm going to share a story with you guys that I found um it's pretty interesting. She found it in a Porta potty on a construction site. Okay. Shan, oh, she's having a fit. She's she got ha- COVID 22. She's going into a spell. Here we go. So it's unclear where this all started, but January 25th, okay, a user on TikTok 
posted a video about a strange experience that she had in the Big Bend area. Where's okay. in, where's that at? Big Bend. Big Bend, Texas. Yes. Down south. Okay. So she claims that she was camping with her husband and daughter in Big Bend National Park. And on their fifth day of staying the night there at this lodge in the basin, um, they had heard multiple people screaming in the distance. Sound familiar, Eric? Uh, yeah, too much. Then she hears a woman scream afterwards, we're going to die. Oh, my God. She claimed that this was a blood-curdling scream went on and on. Finally, she heard a woman's voice saying, I love you. Just know that. Shut up, dude. Yes. I got chills on my butt cheeks. Yeah. She also alleged she heard a child screaming, mommy, and other voices saying, help, help, call the ranger. What? Did it say what time of day this was? Was that night? I believe this was at night. Oh, Jesus. So they immediately called the police and the park ranger, and they found absolutely nothing. No, like... Nothing at all. No traces? No, of people or anything. So she explained that they had asked about this family the next day, but none of the park employees or rangers knew anything about what she was talking about. And then other users on TikTok started posting their own stories and theories about these bizarre happenings in the wilderness and these national parks. There's been no official reports or documentation whatsoever to back up these claims... And people are calling these conspiracy theories. But we all know about the missing 411, okay? This is a, a this whole is thing. textbook. Right. And there are hundreds of very similar unrelated cases going on in these national parks in these areas. So. Okay, but what's, what's different about the missing 411s <clears throat> is... Usually it's just someone says, hey, this guy didn't come back. There's never like sounds and all that shit of hearing something happen to somebody. You know what I mean? Unless it's the person that goes missing and is never to be found. Then how would you know? That's what I'm saying. Well, because if you didn't show up to the house when you're supposed to, then I would be like, oh, she's missing. That's what I'm saying. What makes this creepier is that someone heard this happening. Right. But I'm saying if that person was the one that heard that. And they went missing. You wouldn't know. Oh, I see. If the tree falls in the forest. Right. And the person that heard it got murdered. Yeah. Who's there to tell you the tree fell? Right. Okay. Yeah. I I hear that. Yeah. And so. I wonder how far away it was from them, though. I don't know. It didn't say anything about that. But if you could hear a kid and you could hear, like, words. Right. Clear enough to be like, holy shit. Okay. I don't know. That. Oh, Cheyenne's eyelash came off. She's putting... Oh, she put it on her... Okay. Okay. So what do you guys think about that? I mean... I don't know. Just thinking about the landscape, it's giving hills have eyes, obviously. Right? Desert. So... All of Texas is a desert, I'm pretty sure. I've never been there, but on... On the map, it looks like a desert. There's two parts of me right now. So I have one part that's saying... Two wolves. Two wolves in you Oh, my God. One alpha, one beta. (laughs) (laughs) So the paranormal, the alpha, wants to be like... (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's real. You know what I mean? Like, 
that's real, that was really them, and that they were dying at that point. You know what I mean? No, wait. Well, they don't sound like they're thriving. Excuse me, I'm switching wolves. Okay, so... (laughs) (laughs) So, the alpha paranormal wolf... Um, God, I saw something no, come out when you did no, that. No, nothing came out. Um, is like that is a way for these feral people. I don't even know whatever was. Are you gonna say what I think you're gonna say? What? That that was like them faking those sounds. Yes. Oh my to God, that's so much in. creepier. That's the alpha, and the beta is like, no, that was real. They were about to get God. Oh my God, that's so much creepier. Oh, Shayla's face. She dude, just got way more scared. I can't help but not think about that. And personally, that. Oh, dude. Yeah, I, like, like, uh, like you're saying, it's almost like a, like a call. Like if you're hunting elk, you use an elk call. Oh God, Shayla has, has. Hold on. Okay, Shine, you might be onto something. If you guys think back to the Hellier case, okay, when they went. To Kentucky, what were the reports from the locals in the area that live in the woods? They heard babies crying. Yeah, and down the mine shaft, that guy said, I heard, so that would lure you in. Right, and that's what they were, that was the whole thing. So the goblins were faking a baby cry. Yeah, I mean, these feral people could be doing it too. Unless there's some other kind of phenomenon going on. That is fucking scary. Unless there's a different phenomenon going on that we are completely unaware of. This is why Shayla always makes it through things because she's a very, my own fucking business, I'm not going to be your hero. Yeah, I always tell him that. He's like, oh, if a kid comes knocking on your door and they're like, help, help, are you going to answer it? And I'm like, hell no. See, me, everyone knows my favorite song is that. I can be your hero, baby. Yeah, well, they're always the ones that die, so. Hey, die a hero's death, you know what I'm saying? Live yeah. a thousand lives, legends never die. That's true. Legends never die. Yeah, heroes get remembered, kid, but, but legends, legends never, never die. die. Quick, if the first person to DM us what movie that's from is going to get a special surprise next week. Okay, so Cheyenne. The other thing, too, is that they're so good at mimicking other animals, these feral people. Why couldn't they mimic humans? Yeah. Well, and that's kind of what the Sierra sounds almost sound like. Right. Because there's people nearby and it sounds like an animal trying to sound like a human. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's reports in like Appalachia's, the Smoky Mountains, all that. Yeah. Down... The uh, the old southeast has some wild shit going on in their hills, you know? Their mountains are old. Yeah. Things have been living there for years. Yeah, so, I mean, I have kind of done a little bit of research into that myself. I haven't went down the full uh, rabbit hole. But, oh my God, it's just crazy. So, the Smoky Mountains, if everyone didn't know, is a sub-range of the Appalachian Mountains. Um, that's where a lot of weird, scary things happen. You're known to mind your own business. So that's going to be called, uh, pulling a Shayla. So when you yeah. pull a Shayla, you're minding your own business. You're never sleeping at night. Oh God, you're here never we go. taking a pain pill. And what was the other one? Um, <sighs> what else does she never do? She's never scared. 
That's me. You're I'm the never most scared, scared out of okay. anyone I've ever met. And she only does rolling stops. She never goes to full <laughs> The old stop. California rolling stop. <laughs> and that's actually, I didn't pull that one out. That was Solomon who pulled that one out. Damn, so. double crossed. What do you have to say for yourself? That I have absolutely no comment. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Saul, let me ask you. You've been in the woods a lot. In the backwoods, things like that. Have you ever heard something that sounds like an animal, but that's not quite? So most like recently, like this elk season also, um, I was separated from my cousins and they were, I was on like a different side of the mountain and they were hunting on this lower area next to the creek. And they're, they were just doing a bunch of elk calls, elk ran away, so they're heading back. And my cousin DeAndre's like, further down the road and my cousin Little Bear's at the car and my little brother Mooshes is further than my cousin Little Bear. And DeAndre hears someone yell Mooshes really loud across the like on the other side of him. So not not towards my cousin Little Bear or Mooshes from the other side of him. So he hears this Mooshes DeAndre like names they hear names and there's no one they know over there and so deandre's walking back and he's think he's thinking that my little brother was just calling our, our little bear and he sees little bear makes eye contact and they're like did you hear that he's like yes did you hear that that wasn't you and they were both spooked and they both walked right to the vehicle they didn't even try to go back to where the noises were coming from they got out of there and then when they were heading out the tire popped in his car. Oh my that, god. That was twice the incentive to get out of there. That was not somewhere to be. You didn't tell me that last part. The tire? Yeah. So when he originally told me the story, I was like, absolutely the fuck not. Like, I am good on that. Are there any stories, like, on your res about people that have left and just kind of went into the hills and just, you know live up there um my dad was telling me one recently that i don't remember the last name of these native americans that live on the res but he said that there was a certain are some people that went out to the mountains and they bred with bigfoot so there's mm. really large native americans makes sense it makes sense right you guys are shook right now okay let's get some perspective y'all I've never heard that. That is crazy. That's that, some wild shit. That could be. I mean, yeah, it's not that hard to believe, though. Well, you know? yeah. It's not at all. I'm shooketh. But, did, so what was the what was the feel? Like, you guys were obviously fucking scared. Did you, like, Scooby-Doo gang run it out of there or what? So I wasn't there necessarily, but when they all came back, they were all shook, shitting bricks. They were thinking that we were on the other side of the road talking to them, and it wasn't us either. So they were like, really, fuck that area. You're not going back. Did they say it sounded like you? Like, did did the voice sound familiar to them? They just said it sounded like someone was calling their names, and that's weird because there was like... We're in. The, we're hunting out there. Like, there's not. There's a highway. There was a highway on the other side of the creek, but there's no one on that highway ever. 
That is some wild shit. I don't, I don't know what to say about that. I'm saying we need to go out there. Like we're, we've been talking about a camping trip, like all four of us. This is a time. This is the place. Okay. And it's good because first of all, um, he knows Solomon knows the land. And second of all, this is his land. You know what I mean? And this is his ancestors land. So guess what? Solomon and his ancestors, they have our back. And that's exactly what, you know what I mean? Like that's exactly what we need for this trip. And I'm down for that, but not to stay in that area. We can camp around that area. <laughs> oh, so he, you're like, no way. Would you be comfortable with us like camping around it and going in there at night to kind of see what's going on or what? I would be okay being next to the vehicle. Okay, we can nah. do that. So would you guys be down to drive up to those Idaho logging roads that um, a few of the listeners had talked about? I'm 100% in, and I know that the homie that told me about it, he already said he's in to do it. I'm in 100%. So, but we're going up there strapped. I know I respect your feelings about being strapped and looking for Bigfoot. That makes sense. But we're looking for feral people. What are your thoughts on staying strapped for that? <laughs> I am glocked and loaded. Oh! Hard dude. <laughs> hard dude, hard cocks, and hard glocks. <laughs> oh, See, hard cocks yeah. and glocks. Yeah. Yeah, and well, this is man. a glock family. And I've said it again. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Glock. Sponsor us, okay? <laughs> I don't know how many paranormal investigators are coming after you saying, hey, you guys should sponsor us, but it's tried and true. Okay? Please sponsor us. Yeah, and come on the show. Glock is owned by a woman, and I think that's awesome, and it's a family business, and she should come on the show and then bring us guns. Hell yeah. Okay, so now we're going to play for you guys the Sierra Nevada sounds. We're going to play the full clip. It's a little bit long. Just listen. Tell us what you think about it. We're in for night, Bill.
the creek at the big rocks. It's a hard act to follow. You sound like he talks to others and they talk to each other. Yeah. <laughs> To me, it sounds more geesey. Yeah, well, like we've been you know saying, I mean? it sounds like someone trying to sound like something else. Yes, and I feel like I'm not I'm not trying to like up this at all, but I feel like personally I've heard sounds like that before. And it was one time, one night. It was me and I think I was I was with three other friends. And we were out middle of nowhere in we were out in Inchilam. And we were camping and we heard those sounds. And my two friends, they were so spooked. They they literally sat in the car until morning. Well, no time. shit. And then me and my other friend, Blake, we were like, okay, it's getting weird. So we sat in the car with them for a little bit and talked about what we thought it could have been. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then we're like, okay, we're just going to go to bed. But him and I, we decided to sleep in his car together because we were not sure. But the next night... We were, me and Blake both, we were like, we're not sleeping in the car. Like, whatever this is, we're going to be sleeping in the tent. We didn't hear anything the, the next night. That's crazy. So it's yeah. almost like they, it was like a test or something? Or I like, don't know. It was like a one time, like a one night thing. And we were this, out there. What did for, it sound like? It sounded just like that. Like those. Do it with your mouth. Geese imita- I don't even know. Do okay. it with your mouth no. and then cough afterwards. Oh, no. It just sounded like those geese sounds, but we all knew it wasn't a geese. Well, Solomon said something while we were listening to it. Um, I'm just going to kind of touch on it and let you expand on it. 
He said it sounds like an owl. So for me, it sounds like an owl, but it also sounds like they're just trying to communicate. Like the pharaoh people, like they don't have their own language, so they're using animal sounds, but they're trying to imitate that in a way. So, yeah, and these sounds were originally recorded in the early 1970s by Al Berry and his longtime friend Ron Moorhead. And they were in these woods in the mountains. And as you can hear, they start hearing these, they start mimicking what they're hearing and they're getting sounds back. These are also known as um, the samurai sounds. And to me, a lot of people claim that, yeah, that like, they believe this is, you know, Bigfoot sounds. I agree with you guys and what Saul said. It sounds um, he, like a human vocalization, whereas opposed to like these Bigfoot sounds that have been recorded all over. You, there's a there's a difference. Yeah, it's the Bigfoot sounds sound more animalistic, right? And more like primal, like. Like a sound that an animal would make. Right. You know what I mean? But these have like vocal tones and it sounds like language is involved. You know what I mean? And it's, it does. It sounds like a man. I I don't believe those are Bigfoot sounds. I don't. I don't know why. I get like a Yosemite Sam feel at the very end when he's like, like real gravelly. Yeah. Like just like a dirty old bitch. And you know, he's just filthy. Yeah. Cool hat on. Yeah. I don't know. I think, yeah. I don't think the Sierra sounds were... Bigfoot. I 100% now believe that they were feral people. And those guys were a little too close. And I'm surprised that we got those tapes. You know what I mean? I'm surprised they weren't just destroyed along with the people. So what do you think, though, that they're trying to do? The feral people? I don't know, Shai. What do you think? Like, what's what's their end goal? Or I think they're just trying to survive. Oh, in the tapes? In the tapes. First of all, I think they're trying to see what those two guys were going to do back. Yeah. Like a test. Like a test. Yeah. I think that's what they were going, like going for. Um, other than that, I don't have anything else to go with that, but yeah, those sounds are almost sickening. Um, I feel like almost they're just trying to relocate together because they might grow up animalistic, but they still don't, they're not going to have eyes like an animal in the night. Right. They're still going to have human eyes, so they're still, their only way of getting together is to call and make noises. I, yeah, I've heard that theory when we were, when Eric and I were kind of going over the kind of stuff that they hear in these national parks they a lot of times people think yeah they're trying to like call out to see where the other one is yeah it's like and i think when they're doing these calls and people are getting the like the video like of that video it's just like a momentary thing to an extent like they're collecting together and then they're moving Mm -hmm. so they're not going to be in the same area over and over they're moving so do you guys think that they basically stalk and hunt people i think they're opportunistic okay i don't think they expend too much energy on any one thing right they wouldn't be like tonight we're hunting people 
But if they're out for a night hunt, you know, let's go get something, and they hear people talking, they're like, perfect. There's what we're going for now. You know what I mean? Like, it changes their, their uh, like I said, opportunistic. Whatever arises is what. Or else, if they did hunt people, I feel like more people would go missing because they would be looking for them. You know what I mean? Yeah, but there's a shit ton of missing reports in these national parks. That's the thing. I know, but I think if they were like specifically like that was their number one prize was humans, I think the numbers would be 10 times as much. I do agree with that, but I feel like they target humans more, especially when summer comes because winter, they're not going to really have that, you know, that opportunity to go and. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So yeah, no, I do. When it's plentiful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously you're going to. That's why people hunt geese during migration season, because they know where they're going to be and what they're going to do, you know? Well, and that's crazy, too, to think about the seasons, right? We, I wish there was a way we could look up, like, all the these cases depending on time of year. And, yeah, I mean, where do you guys think that they live? Do you think they live underground, in caves? I mean, what do you think? Or in these mines? I go more for something like caves or mines um, just because, again, that's primitive and that's where, like, literally cavemen, you know what I mean? Um, it, it just makes sense for me. And, you know, maybe in summertime, they're more out in the open compared to that. So it actually says, I just looked it up, the winter months of December, January, and February accounted for more than half 53% of fatal disappearances. That's weird. But not weird if you think of they would be more hungry. Right. And more willing to kind of get into an uncomfortable state to go grab someone or to go, you know what I mean? Like they're yeah. more desperate at that time. And animals are deep in their dens. They're hard to find during the winter months, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And humans oh let's go snowshoeing and then yank they're not going to be like oh should we take them or should we not like they oh we know humans use this path to go snowshoeing so we can snatch them up right there well and eric you have buddies that you were in the service with right that live in like the deep south and stuff and you've they've told you about reports yeah one of my good friends toby lives in Technically Virginia, but it's like right on the border of West Virginia, and he grew up there. I mean, it's like one of those towns. He actually that it doesn't have a town name. He lives in a county because it's so sparse. Holy hell! Yeah, so it's not even like the town of this. It's a certain county. I won't say it, but uh, yeah, he said growing up, the big thing was if you saw something at night, no, you didn't. If you heard something at night, no, you didn't. Like, you just mind your own business. You don't go on certain trails. You don't go in certain forests because it's known around there and it's accepted as fact that there are people and things in those woods that if you go in, you don't come back. Yeah, and I mean, they could be traveling in tunnels or underground or in these mine shafts because if you look at the disappearances on a map versus where these shafts and these tunnels are and all that they're all in such close proximity it's not they a almost coincidence line up. they do it's really like, weird yeah like the hotbeds are where all these mines and, yep. sh- and and like i was saying 
I really do think that feral people are opportunistic in every way. If there's already a mine shaft made, we're going to use that. You know, yeah, why I mean, why would I walk over a mountain when I can walk through an abandoned mine shaft? Exactly. Because like we're saying, they are they're very animalistic. Animals do that. They don't mm-hmm. choose a hard path to take. If there's already a game trail, they're going to take that. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, I think this all lines up with each other. Yeah, so Okay, you guys, if you've listened to our episode when Eric and I went to Fort Townsend, okay, we heard these weird sounds. We still don't know what they are, okay? This is a possible theory. During that time, if you listened to that episode, we kind of went into how the scenery changed, okay? Now, we don't know if this has anything to do with feral people. If there's a phenomenon with it, we don't know. But the scenery changed we got lost. We had a listener write in to our email a very interesting and similar story to that. And I have, we have not heard of this happening to people. So. No. And it was crazy because he, I think when he heard us tell the story, he was like, holy shit, that happened to me. And he immediately yeah. wrote us an email about it. So to end this episode, we're going to go ahead and read this email for you guys it's pretty wild pair northwest team eric a video you posted on instagram that grabbed my attention regarding the scenario in which there was an abrupt terrain change despite being attentive to your current surroundings It caused me to again reflect on my occurrence that happened to me three years ago during hunting season that I was ironically retelling to a friend of mine last 925. What happened during this particular incident is still unexplainable to me. However, that feeling of dread and confusion is still palpable when I think back to it. Now, I'm no Magellan, but when it comes to navigating uncharted territory, however, I do have a strong indirectional aptitude regarding north, south, east, and west, and often feel quite comfortable attempting to navigate off a beaten path. What I want to convey that makes this scenario, this rearrangement of my familiar world, so bizarre is that I was completely familiar with this territory. My hunting partner and I were privileged to hunt on private property. Although I can't recall a specific acreage, it was substantial enough to avoid interference, most likely from other hunters, as well as safely hunt and take a shot without the fear of wondering if your partner was near your vicinity. So substantial yet, not the acreage you're going to encounter hunting on public land. So let me reiterate my familiarity with the landscape. This would be my third year hunting this area, and the individual's house was located off a paved road with several other houses stretching from south to north. On the east side of the property was a steep 50-yard embankment with a half-assed attempt dozer-paved road that led to the bottom. Once at the bottom, aside from a narrow path on the left-hand side, To the right, there was probably a 25-yard by 60-yard area of marsh. Referencing back to the narrow path on the left, you just follow that while simultaneously passing the marsh on your right, and you have reached the timberline, a very distinctive breakup in terrain. 
So it's hillside, marsh, then timberline. Our meeting point one is an old decommissioned deer stand, a short walking distance in front of the timberline. To the south, there was a deep draw that you hoped you wouldn't drag out a buck of. Drag about a buck out of. <laughs> to the east, there was deer stand number two, and just further east of that was a neighbor's very obvious property. If you trek north, you'd eventually reach yet another property line, marked distinctively by a barbed wire fence. The man-made trails, for the most part, ran east-west. Essentially, I'm describing the rectangular reference that we were bound to adhere to. Hell. Even without a good sense of direction, you can walk in any direction and eventually preference a distinguished landmark. We were engaging in an October whitetail buck hunt, and everything was rolling out like it did time and time again on past excursions. For most of the day, I occupied deer stand number two, which was situated along some of the known game trails and deer bedding areas. I'd occasionally wander down from the stand heading south to look for activity along the draw, seeing if the creek below was drawing any sort of attention. My partner was stock hunting the property, so I'd see him creeping through the pine on occasion. We would set times to regroup at the decommissioned deer stand and pass along any information of activity we'd seen. So usually fruitlessly and frustratingly theorizing and concocting various new approaches and exhausting options in hopes of at least getting crosshairs on something before dusk. We met there with about an hour of light left. He decided he was going to head east and walk the rectangular area of the property in hopes of kicking something up or luckily, luckily catching a glimpse of a nice rack blending with the pine branches. With fading prospect of having any luck at my stand, I was going to head south towards the draw. Not really expecting to see anything, but more for a peace of mind as it would quick, as it would be a quick jaunt back to the tree line by the marsh, up by the poorly paved hill and calling it a day. We had a quick hard-boiled egg or two for some sort of sustenance and began to head our own ways. This is where nothing makes sense. Still does it make any sense, and no matter how hard I try to rationalize it or troubleshoot the possibilities, will it ever make sense? What felt like at 30 feet of heading towards the draw, I very abruptly had an absolutely no idea where I was. I glanced behind to see my partner, not a glimpse of Hunter Orange in sight. This doesn't make any sense, I thought to myself. He spot stalking, for Christ's sake. He's moving at a snail's pace. I'm not moving that slowly, but I'm moving pretty damn slow. I'm still hyper-conscious that of any unwarranted cracking of brush or twig on my part is pointless, and I might as well just be going on a hike at this point. How can I not see him? None of this is making sense, and I gather myself and I see the sun setting in the west. I'm going to get out of the wood line because the marsh is west. If I follow the marsh to the trail up the road, then freedom, and I'm calling it a day. This makes sense, right? It's so easy, and I'm freaking out over nothing. The sun, west. The marsh, west. The hill, west. My truck was at the top of the hill, west. Do I remember thinking that this couldn't be more of a beautiful afternoon as I headed in the direction of the marsh, with the sun shining through the trees? Simultaneously, I was thinking that I really don't recall ever seeing this many paper birch-looking trees in the distance, either. I got to the edge of the tree line and there's no marsh. Okay, this doesn't make sense. I don't know what terrain I'm looking at right now, 
and in place of the marsh, there's tangled shrub and tall grass. Instead of a hillside, there's a dozed road. There's a hillside. At the top of the hillside, there's nothing. It's easy to observe house at the top is gone, but there are houses that run along north-south top. There's nothing. Not the house I leave before when the sun comes up. Not any neighbor's houses. Logically and logistically, this doesn't make any sense. If it was like I dropped my pack and my rifle, blindfolded myself, spun 20 to 30 times to dizzy myself up, and then dead sprinted in any given direction until I was completely gassed, and then decided to play test your mind to find your way back. At this point, after exhausting every logical option, I had a sense of dread overwhelm me that I have never experienced before and I have yet to experience again. I've always told myself in a situation like this, well, not like this, but you get what I'm saying, that I'd stay calm. That's the best thing you can do, stay calm. I did not. At this point, logic was no longer a governing tool of the universe that my mind could comprehend because every step I rationalized was nullified by a new environment. Similar yet different, familiar but foreign, stunning but terrifying. I picked a direction, hustled ass, fuck making any noise and fuck finding my bearings, and fuck a buck. Run? Why not? Because the sun isn't going to be up for much longer. And I'll never forget that cotton mouth and ensuing dehydration. Ensuing dehydration. Time was a blur, but it felt like I had passed something serious. And I've covered some serious ground and some serious time had passed. Man, if looks could kill. As I burst through the thicket, my partner looks at me as I've lost my damn mind. His wide-eyed glare had to be a combination of two things. Even my wider eyes due to excessive discombobulation and that the fact that I was making much noise as a bull in a china shop in a whitetail country. I turn around, there was no thicket. It was just measly pine. I traversed all this time. How the hell am I back at the deer stand? Did you see that thick shit I just got through? And what is my hunting partner still doing right by it? Not too long ago, I saw him start to take off in the direction whilst I went in mine. He hadn't even gone in five yards. In my mind, I thought I'd received an Academy Award for holding it all together, but by judging by its look and confusion and annoyance, this wasn't the case. In a pathetic attempt to recidify that I had just caused a scene, I mouthed, Do you have any water? As if I was still adhering to one of the hunting codes of quietness. He gave me a bottle from his pack, and it was the purest, most blissful, cheap, plastic bottle of water I've ever tasted. He asked if I was alright, and I just said, yeah, I just got real thirsty. It wasn't the time or place to even begin to explain the clusterfuck that I was just in. Plus, the old school in him was going to hunt up the hill until the very last speck of sunlight. But I wasn't. I gathered myself as best as I could. I made a beeline up that muddy, poorly paved road and had never been happier to see my truck. We seemed to have an innate sense of desire to understand which we cannot. We just left unsatisfied with the notion that it is just what it is, or it just what it was, you know? We cannot accept this because we need something to ascribe the unexplained. I pondered going back to catch a glimpse of what went away. It's the ebb and flow of curiosity and caution, and troublesome for me to say the least. 
The terrain is ingrained by the brain. There's no logical explanation. There are too many landmarks, too many distinct noteworthy tree clusters. It's too easy to navigate for someone with even the faintest idea of the layout of the landscape, with a decent scope north, south, east, and west. It is what it is, and it was what it was, whatever it was. The land became a void of any, of all, of any and all human development. No car engines whirring in the distance. No structures that were so prominent and easily identifiable. Maybe I should consider myself lucky that I wasn't the one that potentially never got to explore it. That, I don't even know. Little. That's like right uncanny. on the nose. Yeah, right? Like, the fact that someone else went through something where he had been hunting those lands for a while, and obviously as a hunter knows his, dis, you know, his directions and all that. And it all changed for him too. Yeah, and who, who sent this in, Eric? That was from Luke, who was one of our first listeners of the week. Yeah. So He's been with you. us through through thick and thin, through thicket and thin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Luke, for sending us that email. We don't know if this has any correlation to any of this, but it's very odd that these kinds of phenomenon go on around these reports of missing people, potentially feral people. These I have a sounds. quick. I have a quick thought while she was reading that. Yeah. Just real quick, because I don't know trying to wrap it up but let's say the feral people right there's a there's a trail that everyone takes deer trail game trail whatever someone goes through it they run down and push all the bushes back could be you know they're tricking yeah i mean they could be doing something to cover up where you just went through when they shit they cover it up like a cat and when they piss they fart (laughs) thanks for listening to para northwest i am your host eric i am shayla And I'm Cheyenne. And don't forget, sleep with your eyes open. Open, 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 open.